This is Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, episode number 213. Today, our special guests are the dynamic duo from B Collaborative, Dr. Tony Breitbach and Dr. Katie Elliott. They are here today to share with us an update on the 2023 IPEC Interprofessional Collaborative Practice Core Competencies. Don't miss it. to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Welcome, everybody, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. This is Tracy. And I'm Michelle. And we're the dynamic duo co-hosts of this podcast. Yes, we are. <laughs> dynamic and a duo. <laughs> dynamic and a duo. Woo! And today we had the pleasure of introducing another favorite dynamic duo. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get to know them. They've been on our podcast before, um, but individually. Yes. I don't think we had them collectively. No, no, nope, never had them together. Never had them together. Yep. And they are um, really experts in interprofessional education and collaborative practice. And it's just been wonderful to, to know them and um, to watch them, uh, you know, take on more and more in, in that world and to become really great leaders and to be recognized as leaders. And so they're, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Yeah, they are. You know, I really appreciate when you meet colleagues that you just have that synergy with similar passion, similar purpose, but you're, you're connected to them over time. Mm -hmm. So they can, like, they, they were so excited to hear what we're doing now. And it was so exciting to learn from them what they're focused on now and their continued engagement of being leaders in interprofessional education and collaborative practice. So you just appreciate our journeys. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And we talk a little bit about that um, mm -hmm. with them in the interview. And, and we're really focused on the interprofessional education collaborative core competencies yes. for interprofessional collaborative practice. And so um, we wanted to give you just a little bit of context to this in case you're not familiar with them um, so that you kind of have an understanding of, of the background of them and the context of the conversation that we're having because we don't do a deep dive into them, but we do talk about some of the changes that have occurred. So the, um, the core competencies for interprofessional collaborative practice um, they provide kind of a guiding framework. And there are four primary um, competencies, and then there are sub-competencies underneath the four core competencies. And it all fits under the domain of interprofessional collaborative mm -hmm. practice. And um, these were sponsored by the Interprofessional Education Collaborative and um, developed initially by an expert panel that included representation from six different professional education organizations. So the... the um, Education Collaborative was smaller to start with. Um, and then over the years, it's really grown and expanded. Um, so now the IPEC core competencies, you know, kind of are evolving. 
um, with an expanded group, a broader span of health professions being represented and different health professions organizations being represented. And currently, um, there is a 2023 update of the core competencies being proposed, as well as subcompetencies. And that is really the gist of what we talk about. That's right. That's right. So the first ones were released in 2011, then updated in 2016. And now, as Tracy said, there's a proposed 2023, and it's it's post-pandemic, so we talk about that as well. And there are four primary core competency updates that we discuss on this podcast today. Uh, One is values and ethics. Two is roles and uh, responsibilities. Uh, three is communication, and four is teams and teamwork. And uh, we got the right people here, Tracy, to talk about this. I'll mm-hmm. tell you, they were very uh, informative. And our guests are Dr. Tony Brightback and Dr. Katie Elliott. So I'm going to introduce Tony, and Tracy's going to introduce Katie, and then we are going to turn it over to the interview. Yeah, and they both were in the working work groups. Yes. Right? They participated in the work groups of the proposed updates. Yeah. So. Yep. So they were right there. (laughs) So you're getting it hot off the press. That's right. So Tony is a professor and certified athletic trainer and vice dean in the Doisy College of Health Sciences at St. Louis University after serving as director of the athletic training program for 15 years. So congratulations, Tony, on that new promotion. Um, And he, uh, he received his, um, bachelor's in 1985 and his master's from the University of Florida in 87 and his PhD from St. Louis University in 2007. And he's very engaged in major interprofessional groups. He is um, part of the Association of Schools of Advancing Health Professions, or ASAP, as a fellow and chairs their Partnerships, Alliances, and Advocacy Committee, their Interprofessional Task Force, as well as representing them on the Interprofessional Education Collaborative Practice Court Competency Revision Work Group, which we're going to hear about today. He also serves on the Executive Committee for the American Interprofessional Health Collaborative, or AHIC, and helps lead communication working groups for interprofessionals, the Interprofessional Global Research Global, and, and the Collaborating Across Borders Conference. Lots of interprofessional leadership there. <laughs> and in March 2021, he was named as the National Academies of Practice Distinguished Fellow and in the inaugural chair of the Athletic Training Academy and is now serving on the NAP Executive Committee. Yeah. Well, Dr. Katie Elliott is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and associate professor of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center. Dr. Elliott's primary focus of teaching and scholarship focuses on interprofessional education and collaborative practice. She's published and presented nationally on interprofessional education topics ranging from course development and student learning assessments to exploring interprofessional competencies in obesity care. Dr. Elliott's highly involved in leadership at the national level, serving as the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics Alliance representative to the National Academy of Medicine's Global Forum on Health Professions Education and the Interprofessional Education Collaborative Competency Revision Workgroup. She's tirelessly an advocate for promoting interprofessional learning outcomes in health profession students. And Katie serves as a faculty sponsor for Unity Clinic, a student-run interprofessional clinic on the OU campus and the leadership education and neurodevelopment and related disabilities interdisciplinary program. So, I mean, oh my gosh, right? They're doing it all. <laughs> They've got lots of experience and lots of expertise. And, uh, and we're just very happy they were here to talk with us about what's happening with the um, IPEC core competency. So without further ado, here's our interview with Tony and Katie. Well, welcome. Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. We are so excited to have you both here. Now, you both have been on our show before separately, but now we get the dynamic duo together. Woohoo! Yeah, Katie <laughs> and Tony. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been too long. It too has long. been. It has been. So before we dive into today's topic, uh, I'm getting an update of the IPEC core competencies uh, on interprofessional collaborative practice. 
We want to know what's new with you first. You are the B Collaborative duo, and um, you have your very own interprofessional partnership, which Tracy and I think is so cool. And uh, so, Tony, we'll start with you. What's new with B Collaborative? You know, it's it's funny that uh, we we started B Collaborative when we when we were colleagues at St. Louis University, and and um, we really um, really taught together, wrote together. Um, did some consulting together. Um, we still um, maintain a very active social media feed, um, and uh, we really try to be a voice uh, across um, interprofessional education and collaborative practice. Um, and we, 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 we now we have to work together virtually, but we we definitely do work on projects with with ASAP. We did a writers workshop for UT Health San Antonio, um, and. Uh, we very much enjoy continue working with each other. What do you think, Katie? Absolutely. And, you know, I think the fun thing for us is the ability to mentor each other. Um, we're finding ourselves, like Tony was serving as an interim uh, department chair for a while. And guess what? I just found out I'm going to be doing the same. And so Tony was the first person I messaged to say, okay, friend, uh, talk me through this. So I think... I think even though we look at it through different professional lenses, because we have the same guiding principles, it really makes for a nice partnership and collaboration. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's fabulous. Isn't it awesome? Yes. Yeah. Love it. Pioneers. You guys are awesome. Awesome. Well, like the two of you, Michelle and I have been interprofessional forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long journey. Started with a handshake, right? Yep. And uh, we like to say we were doing interprofessional before it was cool. We were certainly doing it before anybody knew what the heck it was. <laughs> we're still talking about multidisciplinary back then. <laughs> so when true. We got our, when we got our feet wet. Um, and we remember when the first IPEC core competencies came out in 2011. It was so exciting to see the national agenda around that, to have these competencies out. And as he, as a director of interprofessional education and practice, right, it was just like, whoa, my gosh, this was just so powerful. <laughs> and then um, the updates came out in 2016. And, of course, more um, groups of professionals were added to, like, right, creating those and revising them. Um, and then when I did my dissertation work, um, I leveraged the core competencies as the foundation for the interprofessional collaborative practice knowledge assessment that I created. So, you know, they've been a foundation in our work for quite a time now. And, um, and we think, you know, everything has to evolve. So it's really good to see changes in them as healthcare has changed and evolved. It's good to see that there's another evolution of the core competencies coming out and um, and that you guys have both been actively involved in the work group. So we were yeah. super excited to see that because then that gives us a sense of the quality of the people that are participating <laughs> in the process, right? <laughs> we know you're a quality couple, okay? So <laughs> if they've got you on it, there's got to be others just like you, right? So we're happy about that. So let's start out with, before we get into the core competencies and just kind of talking at a high level, some of the changes and what they are. Tell us about kind of how you've been engaged in the process itself. Um, and let's start with Tony. So, you know, the thing is, is when you think of the 2011, um, when they developed the initial core competencies in 2016, that was really more of a modification of the 2011 competencies. For this 2023 um, revision, they went back to a similar process that they did in 2011, they um, really tapped uh, the membership, um, and every member organization nominated three people, of which one was selected to be on the work group, and then two were selected to be on the reactor group, who who helped review it later. So, for example, I am a representative for the Association of Schools Advancing Health Professions, and so. They brought us together, and it's really a three-part process that this is going through. There was the group that um, uh, really worked on the institutional assessment project, which was led by Joe Zorick and Kelly Raguchi. There was another group that did a pretty comprehensive literature review, um, and they've, they've got a paper in review right now. And then there's the working group that Katie and I serve on. 
Um, and Katie, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of what we've gone through since we've started this? Absolutely. So um, we've, you know, split into these smaller group working groups within the working group. And so it's really enabled each and every member representative to be highly participatory. In fact, that's probably been one of my favorite things about it is um, one of the projects I worked on is the glossary of terms and really being able to do a deep dive with some colleagues that I did not know before, but getting to see their perspective from the different professions. And so um, again, we've had these different smaller groups of people working on things together. But then each month we come together and everyone gets to report out. It's been very transparent, very collaborative. I feel like even on the you know times where if I hadn't been able to attend a meeting, um, we still all knew what was going on. And yeah. so I think for me as a end user of the competencies, that's really important to know because it wasn't just created in a vacuum. It's created with a lot of feedback. Oh, that's great. Yeah, one, of, one of the things that we found, um, Katie talked about the glossary. We found that a lot of the sub-competencies before had a lot of different factors in them that were hard to measure with single measures. So what we've gone to is, is, is adopted um, standard terms around person and and provider and those types of things like that. And then reference the glossary, which is a much more robust glossary than we had in 2011 or 2016, to be able to um, get into that more detail. But they kept the sub-competencies much more focused in really um, evaluating single data points instead of these multiple factors. Mm, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's really great. Um, so what so that was one aspect of the overall right intention of the update. Talk a little bit more about about this particular version and and the full intention behind making these revisions. There's quite a bit done uh, when you look at what's what's been published so far for review. So um Tony, do you want to start and then Katie you can Yeah, I I I think one of the things also um Real quick, before I go into that, just one more thing is is um, we really had a long information gathering process, mm -hmm. and that fed into everything we do. So all the information that's been gathered in the town halls, the smaller sessions, the Delphi st surveys, it's all been actually on their website. So you can see all of the data that's been gathered through all this long process in that everything that we use to create these revisions. And some of the themes that we really focused on um, that came out of that is um, health equity um, is one major area and diversity, equity, inclusion, um, leadership, um, team science, one health, the concept of, of going bond, going bond beyond person centered health mm -hmm. and, and, and looking more widely. So those were some of the things that came out of that. Um, and uh, Katie, do, do you have anything to add to those revisionary? Well, the other thing I was going to mention is if we think about how long it's been since the 2016 revision, I mean, a lot has obviously happened in healthcare. A lot has happened in education. Also thinking, yeah. I know my profession, so I'm representing the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics on the work group. Our voice was not at the table formally in the, in the previous um, competencies. And so I think one of the aspects is trying to bring together all of these voices. That's why I think that glossary of terms is so unique yeah. and helpful is because the more voices we have, the more different languages we're speaking. And so I think being able to accurately reflect the changes in research and policy and practice are really important. Yeah, that's great. Love that. That's so important. Everybody does speak a different language, right? Yes. And so we really need that consistency and that common language to help us move the practice forward, right? Um, so what's the time frame for giving comments back to IPEC? I mean, the 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 draft is out there, right? The proposal's out there. What's the, the timeline for that? 
So currently you can go to the um, IPEC website and provide feedback up until May 31st. So a little bit of a tight timeline. And then um, Tony, I don't know if you want to talk about the, you know, how this will be disseminated and kind of next steps from there. Yeah. So <clears throat> our target timeline um, has us, um, we have, I'm on the report writing group, um, which is a little later in the process than what Katie was involved. Um, and we work closely with the competency revision group to really build the final report. Our goal to have is to have the final report in front of the IPEC board in July okay. and have the final, you know, I'm sure the board will give us feedback and have the final version of the competencies available for public use in probably August or September, yeah. early fall. Okay. okay. Now you keep us posted. <laughs> Okay, Katie and Tony. So from what we reviewed, it seemed like there was a lot of streamlining and simplification of the wording as we kind of went through all the changes. So we want to deep dive into the recommended changes uh, with you both. Now we know that there's 33 competency statements. So we thought we would just go through each of the domains and hit the highlights of each category. Does that sound good to you guys? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I'm going to start out with the values and ethics. And um, in reviewing this core competency, it had, uh, you know, it, the statement itself had some changes slightly. And also in the new 2023 proposal, they now define this competency as work with team members to maintain a climate of shared values, ethical conduct, conduct and mutual respect. So any comments on the overall core competency statements that you want to share? Yeah, I, I, I think it, that feeds into what we were trying to accomplish from an a inclusion standpoint, that um, that that whole issue of, of kind of inclusiveness and respect will, will really permeates a, a lot of the statements that we have in the competencies and sub-competencies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it didn't change a lot, just a, f you know, but just that little bit of a verbiage change, I think, when it comes to that particular one. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything to share about the sub-competencies under values and ethics, any standouts <laughs> from conversations you were part of that you want to share? Well, I think the overall kind of broad stroke with the sub-competencies, and again, I think you mentioned this, is that they've really been streamlined, which I think is more important now than ever. You know, sometimes we can make the simple complicated without even realizing it. And so by starting with a little bit more just clarity and simplicity, especially for values and ethics, which is so important. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I think this, and also in the sub competencies under values and ethics, you really start seeing um, the the social justice, equity, um, one health, those types mm, of things yeah. really come through in some of those sub competencies. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I noticed that the diversity pieces and um, and like you said, the just culture and there was uh, new ones added that really mm -hmm. bring that in to be to have that inclusiveness. And um, it looks like to put the team's attention on those things, not just individuals. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to build on um, uh, what we talked about, having those other voices in the room for this revision, they kept drawing us back. Because there's a wide diversity of membership in IPEC, yeah. um, from veterinary science all the way to social work, to medical librarians, to a bunch of different types of things like that. So they really helped um, broaden the focus. So I, I would say some of those, I wasn't a part of the competency revision discussions because I wasn't on that work stream, but I know I was part of the glossary discussions and, and we drilled deep on what sources we were going to use, what type of language we were going to use, what type of tone that wanted to be set, those types of things like that. Oh, wow. That's really important. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Well, and that's what you get when you have a diverse group working mm -hmm. on it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. 
Okay, let's talk a little bit about roles and responsibilities and that particular um, core competency. And um, so this one, again, just so it seemed like it was just kind of streamlined a little bit. Not a lot of change to the, the overall competency itself. Um, any comments about that or thoughts about, about that particular competency? Well, um, first, can I just say that roles and responsibilities is one of my favorite competencies <laughs> because I think that especially with early learners, which is where I do a lot of my work, is it's so important for them to actually understand what it is that they do and what they bring to the team. And so one of the things I really appreciate about the sub-competencies here was the inclusion of the term cultural humility, I think it was implied in the previous set of competencies, but it's actually called out and named in this set of competencies in a way that as you are learning and articulating your roles and responsibilities, it cannot be ignored. It has to be part of who you are and what you do as a healthcare professional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say the, the competency revision group that worked on roles and responsibilities did a fantastic job of taking the previous kind of word salad that was some of the competencies and really, really focused them. And, and instead of listing everything, they, they use really impactful terms like health outcomes and, and, uh, and then pulling in other, other things um, like person-centered care, really focus a lot of the, the new language around on team and, um, and also keeping open the the definition that our teams are much more than just clinically serving health professionals they there's a you know our patients other caregivers are on the team mm -hmm. um other different professionals um you know for example uh clergy all those types of people they can be on the care team also mm -hmm. yeah yeah more inclusive yes. and i noticed in this one and so the the competency itself reads you know use the knowledge of one's own role and team members expertise to address health outcomes that's the overall core competency i noticed in this particular one it looks like there were a number of sub competencies removed but I didn't see a lot added. So I think, again, just in the overall competency so strategy, sweet. that streamlining, that, like you said, Tony, like kind of addressing the word salad and just getting more precise, more yes. concise about what this particular one really stands for and what it supports. And that was really based on a lot of, of feedback we got in the town halls about some of these are impossible to assess because they're just, they have just too much going on. And I think, um, and really what they wanted to, we wanted to do with this when we were working on this and our discussions was really create sub-competencies that are easier for programs and professions to, to craft assessment um, strategies around. Mm, yes. Yes. I think that's really important. Well, that makes them easier to apply, mm -hmm. right? So that's right. really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, another core interprofessional, you know, collaborative competency is communication. We know that is really key in teamwork. And uh, this one was streamlined significantly and the name changed. So that kind of popped out at us. It was interprofessional communication and now it's just called communication. And the new kind of overall statement for this is communication is a responsive, responsible, respectful, and compassionate manner with team members. So any updates on the communication competency? So when we, when we talk about communication, I think, once again, the theme of greater inclusiveness, representing uh, more diverse um, uh, viewpoints, those types of things, you know, yeah. realizing that live different levels of health literacy, different levels of jargon mm -hmm. that are between different professions. Um, all of those things, um, are, are, are trying to, we try to encompass in simpler, more focused comp competencies and sub competencies. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, this one is so critical. Yes. Right. We can't collaborate without strong communication. 
Well, and, and something uh, we just need to be continually working on. I think that's the thing that I see in these as well is there's not a, there's not an end point. There's not a destination. This is a constant process as healthcare professionals. Yeah. yeah. That's what we really appreciate about the evolution of them. And the, you know, and that I, I like too, that it was just really simplified. I think that really helps. Mm-hmm. Well, the more precise we are yes. in determining, in defining, right. What is expected and what communication um, really means. I think that that just enables everybody to be able to practice consistently and approach how yeah. we are communicating with each other and make it effective. Right. Um, so I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think our pandemic experience has proved that what we used to take for granted from a communication standpoint, from understanding our colleagues um, understanding our roles, you know, understanding our values really got challenged during the pandemic. So we we really had a much greater focus and that that experience, I think, informed all of us as we worked on this. Oh, yeah, that's important to know. And it makes sense. Yeah, really makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I think it's a great catalyst, right, for interprofessional collaboration, especially also now with the changes, um, you know, with the workforce challenges and having enough, you know, enough staff across the disciplines. I mean, across the different professions, health professions are, all of them are struggling, right, with workforce, having enough workforce to um, support care. So that even pushes us to be more collaborative and to work together in a lot of different ways. And that's where these can really be beneficial, I think, too, right? Applying them. It's like we've had them. But how are we applying them, right, on a day-to-day basis? So in practice, arenas. And and, it, and it's that ridiculous stress that got put on the system that really pushed pushed things to a point where you had to, you had to adjust. You had to get out of your comfort zone. You had to change your paradigm. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to address the needs of, of your students and your patients and all the persons in your care. Yeah, yeah. Well, and some, sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, it does. Because <laughs> we won't get out of our comfort zone without it. And it's a nice to have, but a not a necessary, right? And when it becomes necessary and you make the shift, then you see the value in it. Then once you know that value, you can't go back. You can't unknow that, <laughs> right? You can't unexperience it. So now it's out there. Now we know what we're capable of. So let's just keep it moving, right? Just keep it moving. Um, and so the last one is the teams and teamwork. Now, this um, was, again, really streamlined a lot. This seemed like it had a lot of work done to it, the teams and teamwork mm-hmm. one. Um, and the, the core competency itself is apply values and principles of team science to adapt one's own role in a variety of team settings. Can either one of you comment on or expand on what was meant by team science? Just for our listeners. Yeah. I I think there's a body of literature and there's a there's actually a, a theoretical framework behind team science. And I think the big step that teams and teamwork took was Realizing that there is that um, theoretical framework that underpins team science, and so as a result, instead of instead of identifying all these traits of teamwork and you know and and having all these subcompetencies, saying it's important that health professionals really understand the science of teamwork and 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 can apply it in their context, and I think. That's one of the things that's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it's almost a little bit of why reinvent the wheel if there's something already there that we can build on to deepen it. Yeah, and I yeah, and then, go ahead. Oh, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead, Tony. And I and I also think that if it to not realize that something that significant is there um, is also not showing that you've done a deep enough dive into the literature. So I think that was one of the benefits mm-hmm. of this iterative process is it really brought out those types of things. And I know Katie was involved with the 
the information group um, work stream and, and maybe you can comment on that, Katie. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think um, the term team science, I feel like we're hearing it more and more. I feel like this is something, at least in academia, that is being recognized as being more important in the way um, in those contributions and whatnot. Um, I also wanted to mention one of the things that I liked about the revised teams and teamwork subcompetencies is the mention of well-being and resilience. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's something that um, you all do a lot of incredible work in that area. So to have it also called out as an important factor really shows the direction that healthcare and healthcare leaders should and you know is going in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that we have to support each other in that, right? Yes. As team members. And and as leadership, also leadership really emerged in this area too. Okay. So um and and once again that you both do great work in the area of leadership and realizing that there's a science behind that, in that there are behaviors that are learned um that need to be included in our education programs, not only to be good leaders, but also good followers and good companions. So um, those types of things are all very important. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that was really, really helpful. We're waiting, you know, with anticipation. <laughs> um, before we kind of start winding down here, um, any other comments you want to make about the process or the competencies themselves or anything that we left out? I, I learned so much through this process. Um, from my colleagues, um, you know, people that you see, they write articles and, and then you get to work with them on a regular basis. It was a pretty amazing thing. Also, the IPEC office, um, their structure of this process was so um, organized. Mm -hmm. They really, really, um, we knew exactly what to expect every time we met. They captured nearly everything. Mm -hmm. Um, and reported it out. There was nothing that was like, well, we don't like that comment enough, so we're not going to talk about it. Literally, we had access to all of the feedback from every stakeholder. Um, and the way we we had these three cycles of, of feedback um, um, where, we, where we got our initial feedback, then we got kind of a first impression feedback, and then we, then we got our you know, what we're going through now where we're getting the feedback on the competency. Yeah. It sounds like a really, a really solid process. Yeah. Yeah. The other That's thing great. I wanted to um, comment on is that they're also being very strategic about how the information is disseminated. We were all encouraged to submit to our national organizations to present at conferences to really get the word out. And I think at least in my profession, that's incredibly important as we're still building interprofessional education and collaboration into our profession to really be able to get that word out in a strategic way. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the support from the IPEC office, that they create the slide decks for us. So oh, wow. I presented at several com conferences and I contact the IPEC office and they'll have a slide deck ready and maybe one of their staff will present with me. It really works out well. Oh, that's, oh, that's really lovely. great. That's that's and wonderful. And then and and um, so through those different conferences, then that's how it gets disseminated in the practice setting, right? To the practitioners, because I think that's the other thing. We have a lot of of knowledge around it in academia, so it's making sure that this is filtering down to the practitioners in the field as they, you know, that are also responsible for role modeling collaborative practice for students and others, right? One of the greater focus areas this time really is realizing that these are some these are things that are really for the educational environment. They do um, we do utilize practitioner practitioners as as educators through clinical education, those types of things like that. Um, I believe most of the dissemination to the the practice side will actually occur after the after the release mm. of the competencies, and there there will be there will be many different types of um, media that will be used. We'll, they'll still keep doing presentations, but I believe there'll be some 
There'll be some video tutorials, those types of things. Um, they'll probably be, um, it'll be published in certain venues. So I think they have a strategy around disseminating the information and that will likely reach the, the clinicians and the practitioners more readily than some of these town halls mm -hmm. and those types of things that we've done so far. Yeah. 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 That, cause that will be really, that will be really important. Yeah. I think it's critical, right? Yes. To be um, very aware important. of these yeah. so that they can look at how they're implementing. That's why I use them as a part of the knowledge assessment in my dissertation, because it's like, what, what do clinicians even, what is their knowledge about collaborative practice? You know, we expect them to practice it, but what do they really know about it, right, to be able to do that? And I think that's where these can be really, really informative and helpful um, going forward. So great work. Thanks yeah. for representing and, and participating in this. You guys are just, you know, role models for that, for being involved and, and advancing interprofessional collaborative educate, you know, practice and education and um, and so we just really appreciate you doing this yes. and um, helping to educate our listeners more about this as I'm not, you know, we don't know what they know and what they don't know. So I thought pockets. it was a great opportunity. Um, and now we're ready for the missing questions. This is Michelle's favorite part. You know, she, she would just like to go straight to the missing questions sometimes, I think, but we have to do the other. That's part. not true. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> so we, you know, hear about all this great work you've done professionally, but now we want our listeners to know you a little bit more personally. So these aren't really tough, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty easy. And you guys are that, you know, be collaborative dynamic duo. So I know you've got it covered, right? <laughs> so I'm going to ask a couple questions, Michelle, do the wrap up question. Um, so the first one is, what do you admire most about Tony, Katie, and Tony, what do you admire most about Katie? Oh, I love this question so much. You may have to cut me off, um, <laughs> but one of the things that first comes to mind when I think about what do I admire about Tony, it is his willingness to bring other people up and along with him. He does not he is not selfish. He is very generous in his collaboration. And so the more the merrier and he will lift them up and give them credit. Um, I also love that he is not afraid to do things. Um, we jokingly use the analogy often that he's the lab and lab, you know, Labradoodle, I guess. And I am the one with the leash. And so he is always like looking for new things and excited about it. And if I were left to my own devices, I would just still be like, mm, I don't know about that. But together we make a great team. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I really, um, I really, really value my relationship with Katie. Um, um, she, she does, I, you know, if, if she wasn't holding the leash, I'd be knocking over the Christmas tree and going through the presents and all those kind of things like that. But, but the other thing is, is that, um, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a thorough nature and a, and a adherence to process, which teaming up with Katie is really, really helpful for me because she will bring us back to, to, um, that, rigor of process that we all every team needs they need that they need that you know yeah but we need to we need to check this and this and this and this or we need to double check our citations and our sources or um she also brings the voice um like when we teach together she she will bring a little different voice to our uh, planning meetings and and those types of things like that and then and then she's just She's just a great mom and dietitian and passionate professional. I, she's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's great. Love it. Love yeah, it. that's lovely. That's really lovely. Um, and so now here comes a really hard one. Now you're going to have to really think about this one. Are you ready? <laughs> All right. What is one favorite food or dish that you have in common? 
That's hard. Okay. <laughs> all right. So the thing I think about all those is- meals you've shared. I'm sure you've eaten okay. off of each other's plate. <laughs> Tony knows which meal will always be forever imprinted in my brain. It was in Baltimore in 2014. And I ordered a fried shrimp platter and it came and it was like, it was a platter. I mean, it went from like both sides of the table and it was fried shrimp and French fries. And the look on his face when it landed on the table was like, you going to eat that? <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I ate the whole thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny when, when Katie and I started working together, we were speaking at a convention in Indianapolis, Indiana, athletic trainers meeting. And, and we started, um, most of our early work was really on cocktail napkins and 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 placemats, and we were drawing things out and all that stuff. And and you know she would be having a kale salad, and I'd be having a hamburger with french fries or something like that. And so then when we were in Baltimore together, I looked at her and I'm like, really? That's interesting. Um, I I think we both have a, a tremendous affinity for coffee. Yeah. Um, oh. I do think we like. I think we like coffee a lot, <laughs> um, uh, but I, I I do think that um, anything anything in moderation from a food wise is good. I, that's one thing Katie's Katie's taught me as a dietitian is is the key is is balance is not to get on fad diets not to not to um, follow the latest trend is is have balance in your diet. You know you can you can have cheat days. You can have you can eat. You can eat fried shrimp as long as it's you don't eat it every day, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's one of the things where I've learned a lot of lessons from from Katie when it comes to eating. I don't adhere to them, all <laughs> them. but you know them. You know them, and you remember them. It's warming my heart. I have a little fear. <laughs> I have caught you something. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. I oh love my it. gosh, you that's so great. Amazing. You are. You're a great dynamic duo. That is yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. That is for sure. So we always like to ask our last question around uh, a polarity because you know that is our jam and bringing that both and mindset to healthcare leaders and uh, helping people understand that polarities are interdependent pair of values that appear to be opposite, but they actually need each other to achieve a greater purpose. And so we're going to share a polarity with you. And we all have a preference poll, and actually got a sneak peek at one. (laughs) So I am going to share a polarity, but I want you to think about what your preference poll is in this polarity, okay? So here it is. Process and progress. Katie, why don't you go first? What's your preference poll? Oh my goodness, that's hard. I want to say both. I want progress with like really good process. So uh, you know what? I think I'm answering my question. I'm a process girl. I think I'm all about. Is that what you're reading from me, Michelle? I read that from Tony. Yeah, Tony told us. Tony's like she's the process. It's the leash. Wait, we got to. Oh yeah, literally. (laughs) I mean, we are. Katie and I are a walking player. Just like us. <laughs> Just like um, us. <laughs> I know. I am I am the I am the knock the door down, rip the the, the paper thing at the football game open, and I'm that person. And she's the one that's like, well, uh, you didn't do that right. We gotta go back and do it again. That's so us. I'm a Tony and she's a Katie. All right, all right. That's right. We gotta stick together, Katie. Right, that's right. They need us. Hold that leash. Hold that leash. And it's me exactly. and Tony. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh huh. Uh huh. And it's funny, we both have we both have golden doodles now. So we both oh, that's cute. understand the need to mm-hmm. hold the leash because those dogs don't listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, well, you know, and it does, it just points out to the value of having opposite strengths and that interdependencies when you got it yeah. covered. Because if Tracy and I were both all about process, we wouldn't make progress. And if we were all about progress right. and we didn't have the process, we wouldn't be as successful as we are. And so yeah. it's, you really appreciate the differences. And that's you what makes really it. leverage them. Yeah, leverage them, right? Leverage them, yeah. 
Yeah, oh, this is a great interview. Always great to be with you two. Uh, Separate and together, we're glad that we were able to update our listeners on what's happening with the revisions to the IPEC core competencies. Uh, tell our listeners how they can stay if they want to go check out the progress or if they want to see if they're finally done. Where do they go to? And we'll put that in our show notes as well. I would say just follow the main link to the IPEC website. They have... Yeah. They have a they have a tab at the top where you can go right to the competencies revision, um, and they have a very comprehensive website where they have all of the different feedback from the town halls, all the all the different documents that have been shared publicly. So, um, and it shows kind of our timeline that we've been on. So, I would say that'd be the best place to go. Okay. Yep. All right. And then, how do they connect with you from a be collaborative perspective? They can follow our Twitter feed, and okay. um, that is um, be collaborative. It's just be collaborative, and then um, or they can follow me at rd the number four ipe. Okay. No, and actually, to correct you, the our Twitter feed is b underscore four underscore ipe. I knew it was be collaborative as our blog. I know. I'm sorry. You know can that. you? Um, <laughs> See, that's why we need each other. Edit that. <laughs> B underscore four underscore IPE. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's your Twitter feed. We'll put that in the show notes too, just in case they want to follow yep. you. Yep. Be, right? Yeah. So that's great. Well, wow. Another wonderful experience <laughs> with the two of you. Thanks for everything you're doing out yes. there to promote interprofessional collaborative practice and education and for being such great role models of interprofessional, you know, practice and and just great partners. And thanks for being our partners. Yeah, it's always you. fun to be with you. And uh, for our listeners, thanks for listening again and for being here with the four of us. Two dynamic duos. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top-rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.